The Red Elephant Podcast with Fawn Padalino. Hey everybody, it's Fawn and I am here today with Mr. Greg Ford. Uh, Mr. Ford is from the Dorchester County area. He is going to run for the South Carolina House of Representatives, uh, House seat number 98. Tell us a little bit about you. So uh, I chose to run uh, back in January uh, based off some of our uh, current actions that's taken place, overreach for the federal government, uh, civil liberties and rights being trampled on left and right. That uh, actually uh, went directly against some of my beliefs. Um, some of the things that's uh, you know kind of interesting about myself that drives me in this direction is I am a third generation retired Air Force. Um, retired in 2017, I went and served in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, traveled 92 countries around the world during that time, logged about 1,453 days in a combat zone. So I went around the world and basically uh, spread democracy with a U.S. flag on the back of our airplane. Right below it was a South Carolina flag, and our uniform had an American flag on it. So it was part of some different things. Uh, Afghanistan, uh, we went over there and liberated Afghanistan from the Taliban. Then we went into Iraq, and we spread democracy in Iraq. I was part of the election over there. So election integrity, uh, we have a little bit of an issue here that I have some ideas about. Um, and then we start looking at the uh, beliefs. Uh, we have civil liberties uh, and rights that's uh, unalienable rights that's given to us by nature of God, you know, being a human by God. And uh, our government right now is uh, forgetting that. So I figured me being retired, I'm going to go ahead and uh, come off the bench, uh, so to speak, and uh, go try to make a difference. Um, I have a young daughter. I'd like to try, you know, transfer or, you know, pass on some of this stuff uh, to her and the next generation and the following generation, the same with any of you guys. So that's kind of, you know, a little bit of a story about me, um, a little bit of education. I did graduate from the Citadel with a master's. Um, I'm at a doctoral level, a doctorate of education and leadership at Charleston Southern University. So I have a little bit of faith background, uh, at least enough to get me into Charleston Southern at the doctoral level, which was already uh, challenging enough. And uh, military, you know, third generation. I've never had a minute of my life until 2017 that I wasn't under some direction of someone that was in the military. So my core beliefs are... Uh, truly core beliefs and I won't venture from those at all. Uh, so if I get in the seat or let's rephrase that when I get in the seat, uh, you will get exactly what you see. So you, what you see is what you get. Uh, I will fight. I'm not worried. I have really nothing to lose at this point. Um, I can either, you know, go up there and serve or go back to being retired. So either way. So, I think one is going to be a little bit more work than the other. <laughs> yes. Um, so I did read your website, and there were a lot of uh, points that you had on there. Um, do you want to touch on any of those? Uh, whichever ones you'd like to start with. Uh, I'll touch on every one of them, if you like. Um, what about the Second Amendment? Second Amendment. So we're seeing something right now that's uh, unprecedented, you know, unprecedented in our uh, day and age. So we're watching something go on overseas in Ukraine. 
So just to give you a little bit of background, I was part of the resistance in 2014 when uh, Putin put his forces uh, into Crimea uh, or Kiev, um, particularly. We put forces up there in the northern part of uh, Ukraine, right inside of Poland. And we went out there and basically, you know, made sure, show a force to where we didn't have to, you know, go in there and start a war. So once they went in there and started disarming the people, we have a little bit of an issue with, you know, an opposing force coming in there. We have an unplanned, uh, uneven playing field. So the citizens are basically at the will or the whim of whoever's trying to invade them. United States, uh, we have the Second Amendment. It says, shall not be infringed. It's pretty clear. If you read my website, it says, shall not be infringed, period, in capital letters. Um, I will fight to the end before they take one of my weapons. Um, part of the things we got to get through to our uh, politicians, I am not a politician by any you know, stretch of the imagination. I am a human being, regular person. Um, I understand the fact that a firearm is a tool and a criminal is the one that creates the act uh, that makes those firearms do what they need to do. So we start talking about AR-15, or if we talk to, you know, listen to our president, our phenomenal president we have right at this moment, uh, AR-14 um, that he wants to take. Uh, you know, the guy's so smart, he can't even figure out what we even have that he's trying to take from us. Um, we will, uh, you know, we'll make sure we, you know, defend that. Uh, we have some different things that's gone on in the state, uh, constitutional carry uh, with training. Uh, I think that's a step in the right direction. Uh, we do have some other uh, legislation uh, acts that are out there, uh, particularly the um, Second Amendment Sanctuary Act uh, or bill that's out in that place. I don't have the exact number, but some of those things need to be put in place to, to where the state and uh, local governments have no funding to enforce anything that comes out of the federal level. So, Well, I think so. for me, watching everything on the news, which you got to believe half of what you see on there anyways, yep. They were telling their people, like, come down to the police station. You can get your guns. And it's like, could you imagine being at war and be yep. like, all right, we got to go down there and get those guns. Like, hope yep. we make it there alive. Like, if you already have those guns and they weren't taken away from you, you're going to be able to fight and defend. Yep. And I just don't think people realize, like, I'm with you, though, 100%. You know, you don't want people out there having all of these weapons that they can use. But it also goes back to biblical times, like, they were using rocks, okay? Mm. They're going to use whatever means. They use vehicles. They use knives. Yep. What, are you going to take it all away? You know? So I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about tools. I was like, I bought a, a box of hammers, and I stuck it next to my fence because I needed to build a fence, and I put it there, and I'll be dang if they just sat there. You know, they didn't jump up and hammer any nails in that fence for me. <laughs> I had to pick them up and do that. Um, and I have some AR-15s. Uh, they're in my gun safe, and not one of them's jumped out of a gun safe and did anything, e you know, evil right. ever. Um, so we got to get through some of these politicians and, you know, get them on the right side of the, the track and understand criminals need to be held accountable and not law-abiding gun owners. So You made the comment about wanting to get involved as far as um, the school districts and everything kind of going in left field with what they're wanting to teach our kids 
Uh, let's talk about some of the bills that are in the House right now, like um, the Parental Bill of Rights Act. Absolutely. That's one of my one of my most favorite bills that's up there, uh, if I'm saying it correctly. Uh, 45, 55, or 4 triple nickel is what my team keeps calling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one that um, I struggle with this particular bill, and it's not because of the bill itself. I think the bill is very valid, well-written, covers a lot of things. But when we have state statutes or code that talks about individuals that's under the age of majority, which is the age of 18, um, everything in the code is transferred to the parent. And then we have, you know, we get down into uh, Code 54, uh, talking about the education side. The education, it actually says the parents have an integral part of the child's education. I'm struggling with why I have to go up there and support a bill that outlines what our laws already say. Uh, If we're getting that far off base, um, we have a a bigger issue than law at that point. We have a a politician issue or a government issue. But I will support this bill 100% unwavered. Uh, this one actually goes into the college level, if I believe, uh, versus the post-secondary uh, secondary level. It goes into healthcare, education, workplace. All, it covers it all. Workplace as well, yes. So, I was reading an article the other day about uh, the two California teachers who were at a conference, and they were teaching other educators to watch their kids google searches to see what they're looking up what they're into like to get them involved in school clubs that parents might not necessarily be okay with like for example one of them was the lgbtq if they were looking up stuff that was kind of questionable they would approach these students in class or in school without the parents knowledge and put them in these groups and then there was also another one where it was um, the rockwood school district in missouri they actually sent out an email to teachers to tell them to hide certain assignments so that the parents didn't know what they were actually teaching the kids. It's just so far overreach. It's insane. I don't even understand why they want to have this going on or why they even want to do this with the children. You know, if I'm a math teacher, I just want to teach math. I, I don't really understand why. They're wanting to kind of push this stuff with our children, but it is very concerning. So there's a uh, system that I'm trying to look for the paperwork right here. There's a system that's in our school right now that's up for, it's a contentious uh, system. And it basically data mines search engine stuff like you're talking about within the state of South Carolina. And it's through some online system that they're using at this moment in time. I wish I had the name of it. The only thing that's coming to me is the Ernie or Eric system, which is the uh, registration for vote system. Uh, And that's not it. Uh, It actually data mines information from our kids and they'll start looking at things along these lines and start building spreadsheets on where these kids are searching or what they're doing or keywords or things along those lines. So we have the framework set there to maybe start driving that direction in the state of South Carolina. One of the groups I'm talking with right now in Somerville area is Concerned Parents of Education. Um, They just said education group is all they want because they don't want to be labeled a group 
so we don't start catching the the wrath of the hatred um, or the opposition. We just want the best for our kids and and go. So they're actually looking at that group, uh, that actual program right now, and they've gone up and testified at the state house uh, to try to get this out of the system uh, through the the education system itself. So. We're trying to work on different avenues, but we do have some of these systems in place right now in the state of South Carolina, which is, in my opinion, troubling at best. Even in the elementary schools, uh, they had it on the news not too long ago where a school actually had books on the counter and a lot of it was dealing with the LGBTQ and like, I couldn't imagine my nine-year-old has can barely get herself ready and, you know, feed herself without my help. Why do we need to push this stuff on them? Why do we need to make them feel like they have to make these insane decisions about who they want to be as far as if they want to, you know, continue on as a female or as a male? I mean, even into the sports, they're they're really pushing it nowadays too with the um, letting the men run in the women's sports and swimming and all of that it's we can never defeat as a female i can never outbeat a man in a physical sport it's just not humanly possible so one of the bills you're you're alluding to right now is h3477 um that's the save women women's sports act uh, that's one of the bills that's out there that's in place and it's getting a lot of opposition from some of our politicians because apparently reading this morning, trying to catch up on this particular subject, um, it sounds like this only had two different, uh, waivers asking for young ladies to play in a male or transgenders to play into a male sport. So some of our education, uh, superintendents or leadership doesn't believe this bill is warranted because it's only been challenged twice and it's been for the female to play in a male sport. So we haven't had the the situation per se in the state of South Carolina that's being publicly announced uh, the way that I was able to find that. But I believe this bill is well warranted um, as a father of a young girl that's 13 right now that will soon to be playing some sport and you know, competing for, you know, potential college scholarships, you know, she needs to be able to showcase her ability with a group of young ladies. Um, and I believe that's, you know, the direction we need to go. There's another bill that I mentioned right before we started here. It's going to be uh, 4608. Uh, they actually expanded on that bill just a so- small amount. The first one goes up to the high school level. The second one goes up through the collegiate level which I believe is, is warranted even more because once we get into the collegiate side, if I'm on a scholarship, now we have an opportunity to go professional or semi-professional. So we want to make sure we have the capabilities and abilities uh, showcased on an equal playing field. Both of those bills, reading through them before I got here today, uh, is mainly looking for males playing in female sports you spoke about it you know the male body physically is slightly more capable when we're talking about jumping if you're playing basketball swimming with length of the body you know the stroke itself um, or running the lung capacity or the stride uh, weightlifting just sheer strength 
So we have to make that playing field uh, level. And what they have done there is they've given opportunity to have three different levels of sports within our school. You have a male or men's sports, female or ladies or girls sports, and then a co-ed. If we're talking co-ed, let everybody play. I'm good with it. But here's the other thing. You know, we have to maintain some sort of dignity for these young individuals that are going through the transition for whatever they believe is right. Everyone deserves the amount of dignity. So how do we get to that point? Maybe some of our sports are co-ed and we don't ever have to say, you know, the gender. Both of these bills go right back to the birth certificate. So whatever sex is assigned at birth, because that's, you know, there's only two sexes. Um, and that's pretty important to start going that route because now we have a medical, uh, you know, medical procedural differences if you have a male or a female. Uh, so we have to look at that as well. So this is in a step in the right direction. And I will 100% support saving our women's sports. 100%. Uh, that is something we have to do because it's going to take, we'll, we'll give some dignity to, you know, those in transition, but we're going to take dignity from those that have lived their God given, you know, gender. Um, so we have to make sure we balance that as well. So on top of this, uh, we need to look at making sure we have the transgenders the ability to do certain things as well. So I think what you pointed out earlier about how it's only been, um, brought up twice in the state of South Carolina. I think it's important to know that in other states it is a bigger problem and eventually that could trickle down. Absolutely. So that's why I think we should already have something like this yep. in place, even if it's not an issue now. And secondary, it would be because my daughter does actually run track. She's 14. She's probably 5'2", maybe weighs 100 pounds. Mm -hmm. uh, we just went to a track meet Tuesday night. There were guys out there, which they're not, you know, competing against each other, the guys versus the guys, girls versus the girls. But there was a gentleman out there. He looked about 6'3", probably an easy 250 pounds, and had a full-grown beard. And I said, he's in high school? You know, it blew my mind. <laughs> um, but it is kind of scary to think, like, if she were up against somebody like that, she yep. could physically never win. Yep. It's just not possible. So I think it's definitely something that we need to have in place for when it could become an issue. The fact that this bill has been out there since 2001 and has received minimal traction. In fact, I think that one has a 2020 on it, doesn't it? Uh, introduced on 2021, January. Okay, so 2021 and has received minimal traction. That particular bill got you, shut down. You are correct. It says 12-16-2020. That was the first version of the bill down at the bottom. So so if we, if we have bills sitting in the house up there, so that particular bill got shut down in the uh, Judiciary Committee. Uh, just to give you guys an idea, we have a supermajority in the Judiciary Committee with uh, Republicans right now. So if every one of them has conservative values, there's no reason why that thing has not seen the light of day outside of that. The last time it, it was shut down, um, we did have March 16th yesterday the education committee voted three to one to move the Senate bill version out of committee, which was the education. So we have one moving. The House one is not. Um, it actually failed to get, see a vote in the Education and Public Works Commission right now. 
uh, for 2022. So whoever we got up there in these committees, I, I don't know where their mind's at or what external pressures or what, but this is a no no brainer to me to, to push and I'm not quite sure why we're not getting the traction. With the schools back to the education kind of rolling over into what they think our children should be doing versus what the parents want their kids to be taught as far as academics. Something else that I've noticed, uh, I just mentioned on my last podcast, was the social and emotional learning. It is in South Carolina. Uh, I personally feel like it is a gateway for CRT. There is another bill, uh, 4605, that's in there right now. Tell me what you think about this bill. So this is this bill is uh, well-crafted, in my opinion. Uh, so if we start talking CRT, uh, critical race theory, is something that come out of the college level as a theory. Um, once you start looking into it, the individual that uh, actually authored it and did the research was not an expert in the field. It was just a project from what I understand. I'll go get the specifics if anyone asks. I will go dig down to the bottom of it and figure everything out. But the biggest thing is critical race theory. It basically talks about, you know, one race is inherently superior or inferior to the other. Uh, so they're trying to put that in there. Biggest thing we hear right now is the white race versus the black race. Uh, that's one of the biggest issues that we keep hearing about. It could easily be the opposite way around uh, if we had, you know, different times. And it probably was a theory at some point through history. Uh, we had slavery and different things along those lines. So it obviously was a, uh, a proponent at that time uh, or a, uh, a I don't know, a uh, element at that time. So when we start looking at this right here, that, that uh, legislation was written to where it's ideological training and indoctrination. So that's a pretty, uh, pretty stern words, in my opinion. Uh, ideological training. So your ideolo ide ideology ideological thoughts is way different than mine. It, it's just inherent because you're building your ideas and your thought process off of your environment that you were brought up in, and I'm building it off of mine. So if we get these people in leadership that thinks, you know, girls are bad, you know, that's their ideological and that's what they're going to start teaching or males are bad, uh, you know, whichever way, you know, whatever direction we want to go. So when they started writing down in here, the ideological that cuts out CRT or anything in addition to that. So whatever's outside of the code, which there is, it's actually code 59, which you can click on that and go to the school system. It gives you the education uh, curriculum or classes and it tells you how they're supposed to be taught. Not one place in there it talks about ideological training. It talks about teaching history as fact-based, uh, not what you feel happened. So when they started talking indoctrination, you know, what I'm starting to see right now is we have, you know, some young kids that, in my opinion, watching everything that's going on, they're not freedom-loving, American-loving, um, let me go free thinking you know that's the biggest thing uh schools are supposed to be teaching us uh logic and analytical thought process and they have taken that away with training certain things 
And I'll give you an example. This is one of the things, not necessarily CRT or ideological training, that kind of got me off the bench. So I'm a Citadel grad. My daughter comes home with from class one day, and those close to me has heard this story because I it just throws me off the the bench uh, every time I talk about it. She comes home, she has a Clemson sticker on her little book. So I'm like, okay, uh, what's this about? She tells me whatever teacher, we'll call her Teacher Wilson. Miss Wilson is a Clemson grad, so she wants to pull for Clemson now. She's 12 years old at the time. She's 13 now. So I'm like, okay, you know, I, that's not a big deal. She come on with a Clemson, uh, Citadel thing. I've been like, heck yeah, I like that teacher. <laughs> right. But it's Clemson, you know, so it's not my school. So I'm like, okay, this is, uh, this is kind of weird. She comes home like two or three weeks later, and she proceeds to tell me how President Obama is the best president we've ever had, and President Trump should have never been a president. So I was like, okay, you know, this is something we got to address. So we sat down, we pulled up an iPad, and we went through different things. Each of them has uh, accomplished good and bad, you know. I agree with Trump's theories and his um, America First agenda. I believe that's where we need to go. There's things that he has done or said that I don't completely agree with. Uh, Obama, on the other hand, I think he's a phenomenal talker, a uh, person that can get you bought into what he's saying. I wish I can only develop that in life. I'll never do it. Uh, But he is a very good communicator. So when we start looking at that, uh, and then the actual bills or, you know, things that they've done in their agenda, we went through some of that stuff. And I told her, I was like, when you get done with this, if you still have the same thought process, good on you. I'm good with it, as long as you had the facts. Then the next thing, she comes home, and she holds, she comes home off the bus, she has a, a mask on. And I tell her, you know, Tay, you don't have to have your mask on at the house. You know, you don't have to wear it anymore. She holds her hand up, and she goes, Dad, I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me anymore, and they tell me it's good for me. And I was like, no, that's not where we're going. I'm the parent. I Not one time have I ever signed a contract. I've signed a lot of contracts with the government, and that was to go serve my nation five different times, support defend the Constitution of the United States of America uh, five different times over a 20-year period. And not one time did I ever sign a contract to co-parent my kid with anyone in the government. No one in the government was there when it was made. No one was there when she came into, you know, on earth. They made me pay taxes on her every day, so I pay for it. They sure don't show up and give me any food for her or clothes. <laughs> you that, right. Where and were you at? they don't build my house for me. So they will not uh, involve themselves in the raising of my kids. Um, or your kids. You know, I don't believe they should be raising yours. I was going to say there was actually an incident uh, when President Trump was still the president. And they have something in my youngest daughter. She's nine. So at the time she was in third grade, she was eight. They have thanks, thankful Thursdays where they write on the board something that they're thankful for. Now, I feel like gratitude is like one of the best things that people can have. Being thankful for things is what makes you feel good and hope is what keeps you going. So she goes up there and she writes, I am thankful for Trump. She was told to erase it and to not write that again. Now he's the president of the United States. Do you think they would have said that if it was Obama or if it was Biden? 
I don't understand what the hate was. You would think that Americans would want America first, what Trump did for us, but they're teaching these ideologies to our kids about hating America. This is the best country on earth. They have no clue. Why do you think those Ukrainians are fighting for that little taste of freedom that they've had? Mm -hmm. Because it is worth it. It is worth dying for. And these kids, I feel like because they, they are being told that our past is not really our past. They're changing it. And that's really what they want to do. Because if you forget what you came from, you're more likely to repeat the pattern. And it is just devastating. And that is what I am fighting for too. I do not want my kids to grow up and think that America is not the greatest country on earth because it is. Do you think anybody else would choose to wake up in any of these in Venezuela? Like they're coming over here to cross our border. Why? If it's so great, why are they coming here? I just, I don't, it blows my mind. I like to take all of them that hates America and put them on a little boat and send them somewhere for just a little vacation. Right. I mean, they don't even have to go forever. Just go visit somewhere else that's not quite like this, and then maybe they'll have a little bit of a, a change of heart. But when they look at the southern border, we had 2 million uh, illegals or undocumented, whatever our new word is today, come across they're illegally in our country so in my opinion they are illegal and they're criminals uh in our country uh come across and there's a reason for that and when i go across you know the world and i step off a u.s aircraft and have a u.s flag on people are thankful we're there because we are that beacon of light to the world and some of our young generations they need to you know reevaluate you know, where we're standing and the direction we're going. And you mentioned it. History is destined to repeat itself. If you don't know history. They're not even teaching. If they would teach stuff like um, the Holocaust, factual. I've been to Munich, Germany. I've seen where some of this taking place and read how Germans learn it versus how we learn it. If they taught that, they, they would... Perfect example. They've loaded all them people up on buses or uh, trains and took them to gas houses. How many people do you think in society right now, young folks, would get in line and follow somebody just because they said something? They would yeah. do it. I mean, look at look at when we did the Olympics, how American athletes were switching to support China. Yep. They have concentration camps. They are no different, but they think China's so great. But do you think the people that live in China think that America is the greatest country, or do you think they think China is the greatest country? It's they would rather be in America. They yep. don't want to be in China. Like yep. these young people have no clue. They they're really just blindly following what they're told. It's not necessarily their fault. You know, I I will never say it's their fault. Um, there is a issue with training. They are a product of their environment. So we have so much hatred going on right now with certain things. It doesn't matter. It could be President Trump. It could be the Republicans. It could be the white people. It could be the cops. It could be firefighters. It could, it could be whoever that has some sort of status, not necessarily even a socioeconomic status, just a status, being a human being that they drive hate towards uh and when you 
get hate, you start having haste uh, reactions and decisions. And once you commit to certain things, you're kind of committed to it. So it's a product of their environment. So we got to change the environment. So if we go and get something like this in place, 4605, we have a generation that is already past the point of this affecting greatly. So we have to figure out how we get into correcting some of that ideological thought process. And I'm not quite sure how we fix that because if we go, you know, one generation, uh, Reagan said it, you know, best, you know, freedom is only one generation from not existing. And we may have possibly started that generation with our young teens and uh, late, I guess, 10 to 20, 21, 22 year olds. And they're going to soon to be our next future. They're going to be our next leader. So we have to fix that somehow. And that's going to be psychologist, you know, psychologists and um, people with higher degrees than I have currently or more specialized degrees than I have that needs to figure that out. And I'll have no problem putting it on paper and taking it to the house and figuring it out, fighting for it. I think it's definitely something that needs to be done. Um, what were some of the other bills that you had? So 3126 is one that I mentioned. Um, 3126 is the uh, mandatory vaccines. So that bill is kind of a challenging one for me. So I don't believe in uh, mandatory vaccine or a government entity overriding your medical freedom. So when COVID-19 come by, I believe COVID-19, this whole operation is either a psychological operation or a test of the willpower of the American people. Okay, they, they failed. I don't know if they <laughs> failed just yet. Um, I think they've got a lot more resistance than they originally thought. Um, so when they all come, brought it out, they're like, oh, this is the most deadly uh, virus in history. If you start looking back at the data, once the COVID come on board, we had zero flu, you know, flu incidents. So I believe they were using the flu numbers for this COVID thing. People are dying. The same number died each year. So there was some misconceptions. So that's called a deceptive operation. So how do we do, and it's all part of a psychological operation. If you start looking at it from the military side, we want to skew some of the data to keep you lost to where I can now fear monger you to get you in. You mentioned it with Ukraine. You can only believe about half of what you see or hear. Um, that is the case. Uh, so if we start doing that with numbers, we can drive these numbers through the roof and make it to where you want to make a difference. Well, every American stood up and said, two weeks? Heck yeah, I'll sit at home for two weeks. We'll flatten the curve, we'll go back to normal, we'll keep on going. Well, two weeks turned into a year. A year turned into 18 months to two years. Well, guess what? Have you guys noticed Fauci's gone? COVID's cured. And it was just a month ago they wanted us to wear masks. Um, so is it cured? I don't know. It's still out there. We have some rumors of China shutting down now. Uh, there's a new Omnicron Plus or whatever they keep calling it. Um, so we have some issues going out there. So is this the second iteration? Is this the, you know, whatever. So we start getting into 3126. 
3126 originally started that you can't fire any employee if they don't take a, a COVID vaccine. That bill was actually shut down through committee, and they have now changed it to where the last iteration I saw was uh, that they can terminate you, fire you, whatever word you suspend you, reduce you in pay, uh, if they're in fear of losing federal money. The last iteration, it was specifically talking about MUSC. So they did a whole through the ways and means of how much money it would cost MUSC because they get the most uh, money. And they went through all the private sectors, hesitancies, all the numbers, and they figured out that MUSC needs to be held to the CDC recommendations uh, and DHEC recommendations. So they're going to leave that on there. So the medical facility, and I believe the bill talks about MUSC specifically. They also added the school system in there now. Okay, well, they talked about the federal funding. Well, the federal funds, so I'm looking at this from the Supreme Court level. Supreme Court says, in fact, you can read the bill if you have it there. It says the General Assembly finds mandates to be unconstitutional and unwarranted. That's the first paragraph in there. Well, if we start looking at the the findings from the Supreme Court, Supreme Court said no government directed mandates unless it's through the medical facility, you know, medical establishments. Didn't quite understand that. It should cover everybody, but that's the way the Supreme Court come out. So it's not up for debate anymore. So South Carolina is now pushing this thing that the medical facility. Okay, so, and then they talked about the school system. Well, I actually printed off some paperwork the other day that actually talked about um, the school system and it's the vaccination requirements for the school. Well, one of them talks about um, the MMR, mumps, measles, rubella, uh, and then it goes into a couple different ones. And then that was for kindergarten. And then once you get um, age five through K-12, it had a different list. It was like eight, eight of them on there. Well, if you get down into uh, the bottom, it had recommendations that said COVID-19 is uh, recommended or strongly encouraged and you can go with or without it. So if I have this bill and it says education, well, now if my teachers have to have it, are they going to start pushing that on kids? You know, so I have a little bit of an issue with that. And then the CDC, going back into parental rights and uh, age of majority and minority, uh, it's 18 and younger or older, and the state uh, code. There's another uh, note in there that it says, young adolescent young girls and boys are encouraged to get the hpv to prevent cancer okay so i bring that up and that's one of my things that i was like i don't want my kid to get hpv shots because there's some dad out there saying it could be um make her sterile so where she's never having a kid or there's some uh, troubling dad out there that i'm still trying to sift through to make a logical decision for my daughter since she is under the age of 18. State law gives a 16-year-old the right to make a decision with a doctor without the parental uh, consent for life-saving treatments, okay? 
Well, the way the DHEC wrote it was to prevent for cancers. Well, cancer is the biggest life threatening. Right, that's a life-saving event. So now is my daughter going to be faced when she gets 15, 14 years old, whatever the age is, there's a window, you have to have it. Is she going to be presented it by her nurse at school? Because it says it's recommended. She could it's very life well threatening. be. I think it just depends on the school and what their agenda is. And if she's 16 years old, she can make that decision. You know, we went all the way into having a discussion uh, just a little bit ago about um, hormones. Uh, we talked a little bit about LGBTQT stuff. So we hear about in California, they're allowing kids as young as age 12 to start getting hormone therapy for a potential sex change in life. Okay, so here's my problem. We have three different ages within the state. We have 16 is one age. We have 18 is another age. 21 is another age. So at age 18, I'm old enough to buy a house, get married, don't have to have my parents' permission. I can enlist in the military, go fight for my country, and die. Um, If that's, you know, we had uh, 4,350-something young men and women, the best we have, you know, killed in action in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, so there is an option for that. But I'm not able to work into a trust. So if I get a trust, I'm not able to do certain things legally. The way I read the code, um, trust is one of them. Uh, that's a trust account or trust funds or whatever. Right. Um, I'm not able to drink a beer. Now I'm not old enough to smoke a cigarette. They just changed that last year, 21 years of age, or two years ago. Actually, President Trump uh, actually signed that into to law using the National Defense Authority, which I don't believe the National Defense Authority is the right place for combating cancer. They're talking about it's going to save 55,000 kids from age 20 to 30, 10 years down the road. So I'm not quite sure how that worked out. Um, that's just the data that I kind of skimmed through, trying to trying to get all this stuff down is literally one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life is try to get all the data from this. But if we get back down to age 16, I'm able to make a medical decision that's going to affect my life forever if I'm a young girl or boy without my parents' decision uh, input. And then in state of, you know, state of California, down to age 12 potentially, And once you start getting these things, I know some folks that are going through transition or has gone through transition. And that's the one thing I asked them is, is any of this reversible? And for young girls, if they start getting hormones, uh, testosterone, uh, they'll start, you know, losing some of the things for the female side, uh, menstrual cycle, um, their bodies will change, obviously, physically. uh, And then they'll grow Adam's apple and their voice will drop. So I have a young person that has transitioned uh, to the male side that's very close to our family. And that's one thing I ask in, she gets hormone shots or he Mm -hmm. uh, gets hormone shots. And they say that if they wanted to go back, the only thing that will not change is the Adam's apple and the voice drop. Everything else will kind of go back. Okay, so it's semi-reversible, but anything surgical is not. so this young individual is uh, less than age of 18 or just over the age of 18 now, but they started this uh, during the high school years. 
So we start looking at that. You know, that troubles me. What's reversible and what's not? And if I'm not smart enough or and not necessarily smart enough, if I'm not experienced enough or mature enough or educated enough or well enough, whatever a politician wants, uh, uh, whatever descriptive word they want to use today, at the age of 18 to make a decision to get married, how in the world, or smoke a cigarette? I mean, you're telling me I can't smoke a cigarette or drink a beer, but I'm able to go die for my country? You're not telling me anything I don't already know. Come on now. Right. Uh, So we got some issues with that, Uh, but I'm able to make a lifelong decision as a adolescence. If you go through anything with uh, psychology, uh, we have, you know, pageants, uh, Freud, uh, Svotsky, I believe is how you say his name, the developmental levels of life. And we can look at the psychology book I have right here, if you like, and kind of read down through their stages. And one of the most tender stages in life is that adolescent period. Uh, if we start changing some of those things right there, especially body, body and mind, uh, we're, we're going to have some issues down the road. So we, we have, you know, the shot or medical procedures. So that gets back to 3126. If I can fire you because you don't want to get a shot, at what point does your medical freedom cease and the government takes over? I have two points I'd like to make on that, if that's okay. The first one is um, back to the hormonal changes. In the state of South Carolina, there is a website called nodrama.org. Uh, I saw it on a billboard in Sumter one time, and I looked it up. I was like, what is, why do I keep seeing all these signs? It is actually a website that a young girl can go to and get free birth control. And your parents really don't have a say-so. So she, my daughter, who's 14, she could go online, and she could go to this website, and she could order her own birth control. And it's kind of, as a parent who was young and got on birth control at a very early age uh, due to medical issues, I wouldn't want that for her because any hormonal change, whether it be to have a sex change, you know, as far as taking testosterone or just getting on birth control, um, to me is worrisome. Like I would really want her to weigh her options, but they really make it convenient to where these kids can kind of just go on there and, and do what they need to do. Also back to the COVID, what you brought up with the vaccine, it absolutely blows my mind. I'm no medical doctor, but I do know that statistics say that if I catch COVID, I have a 99.9% survival rate. I am also watching what's going on with the vaccine. It doesn't stop you from contracting COVID. Doesn't stop you from spreading COVID. So exactly how is a vaccine that doesn't do either of those things stopping the spread? How is it cutting the numbers down? Seems to me that it just had to work its way through because the vaccine wasn't doing what they thought it would do. And now we're finally getting to a point where everybody's kind of leveling off. Like the curve took longer than what they said, but the vaccine did not, in my opinion, play any part in that. Now, if someone had medical issues as far as their genetic background, it might have helped there or it might have cut down their symptoms. 
but they admitted that it never stopped the spread and it never stopped you from contracting it. So exactly why would we mandate a vaccine like that? I could see if 100% it stopped all the symptoms and it stopped you from spreading it. Maybe then I might be like, okay, I could see why they want to mandate it. But I, I'm with you. Freedoms are freedoms. And I don't, how can it be my body, my choice in certain aspects, but not my body, my choice in all aspects? You can't pick and choose with that stuff. Yep. You're either on board with that or you're not. Um, tell me about district or house seat six, uh, 98. Who are you going to be going up against? So the current guy is uh, Chris Murphy. Uh, Chris Murphy's been in office uh, since, I believe, 2010. Uh, this is going on 14 years at this point. Uh, he is a guy that's uh, been there. He's ran his six elections. Three of the elections he was uh, opposed. Three of them he was not. Uh, so this last one he was uh, unopposed. Uh, he has been in the news a little bit lately. Uh, unfortunate incidents happen. Uh, he has some health issues. I won't get into that. Um, that's not my place to, to speak um, on, but he is, uh, he's up there uh, representing District 98. We are going to oppose him because I do not believe a representative needs to go to office without being opposed by someone within his district. So we are going to oppose him. Sounds like he's supposed to be having an announcement party this afternoon, potentially. Um, he has not officially filed. I have. Um, I am the candidate for District 98 officially. I've paid my money. I've went in there and stood in line. I've done the whole thing. Uh, Chris is not. Um, we differ uh, slightly in uh, opinions. We just talked about uh, one of the bills. Chris is a judiciary chair right now. So if you guys have any questions about why a bill is uh, not coming out of Judiciary Committee, uh, it could be because of the actual committee, or it could be opposition within the committee. Um, I won't put words in someone's mouth or indicate that it's Chris. I don't know that for fact. Um, but we have different views on different things. Uh, there is a track record. I take being a representative very serious. Uh, a representative is supposed to represent 100% of the time or attempt to be there 100% of the time. Uh, we have a little bit of a track record of not necessarily meeting 100%. Uh, in fact, we're not even meeting 90% at this point. Uh, I won't get as far as how low we are, but it's, uh, it's troubling. And when we start looking at some of these bills, we have a lot of stuff going on right now. And that's for any of your listeners. We have to look at the candidates that are out there. Look for not necessarily America first, but conservative first. You know, if we have conservative first, we're going to have America first in the end. Uh, we have so many issues going on. We just talked LGBTQ, you know, BTQ. Um, that's... That's something that we kind of, kind of get a grip on, you know, grip on, or ideological training. Uh, we got to get a grip on that. Our education system. Oh my lord, we're sitting at number forty-four in the education system. Uh, right now, we're sitting in, you know, the I ninety-five corridor shame. Right now, in the education system, uh, I have a problem with that. Uh, I was talking to one of the folks that's running for the school superintendent. Uh, she wants to make this, and her and I had a conversation. 
Uh, we want to make this the I-95 corridor of opportunity or focus, one or the other. So we got to fix this. We're sitting at number 44, you know, for years. And if individuals like this are sitting up in our house and they're not taking this stuff serious, we don't have another minute to waste to get back on track. So any of your, you know, candidates or elected officials that's in office, go study, find out their voting records, find out how many times they represented you, find out their thoughts, look at what they told you during the campaign trail or campaign and how they actually acted once they got into the office. And if they don't meet the criteria that fits you, send them home. Don't send them to the house. You know, we like to say, send them to the house. Don't send them to the house in send Columbia. Send them to their house. Send them to their house <laughs> where their bed is, um, where their underwear is packed away. Uh, that's where they need to be, not up here representing us. Because, you know, this is something that a lot of folks don't realize. This is bigger than just me or another candidate challenging another candidate within the state. You know, we have it written down as District 98, and everyone goes, oh, that's down in Somerville, that's in Dorchester, that's in whatever. Well, guess what? When I get to the house, I'm working with 124 other people that represents you in Manning or you in Myrtle Beach or whatever. Anything that we do and vote on is going to affect everyone within the state of South Carolina. So keep that in mind as well. Um, we have to get back to the basics. It could be Democrats. I mean, there could be Democrats out there. They're kind of polar opposite than us right now, but there could be some that has some really good ideas that we may need to uh, expand on. I have no problems working with a Democrat. We have a Democrat right now. I think he's a Democrat. It's down out of Beaufort pushing uh, uh, Compassionate Care Act. I'll go ahead and get right into that if you want. Uh, I just would like to state first that it, that website to check their voting history is sestatehouse.gov. Yes. So, uh, Compassionate Care Act, uh, this is something near and dear to my heart, uh, and that is a Democrat, I believe, pushing it. I will go down and talk to that individual through the Senate. It's S-150. It's 59 pages if you print it. If you pull it under SC legislature, it's 539 pages. Um, it's a lot of jargon. So... I have a young son that uh, has severe seizures, is mentally and uh, physically handicapped. He's 20 years old now. Uh, he's been with us th his whole life. He was only supposed to live seven to 10 days. We got him out of MUSC. Uh, luckily for the military and our insurance program and MUSC, thank God for those, those doctors that are down there in the NICU and PICU. Um, so it does pain me to say, we got 3126 that I'm struggling with, but yet those folks saved my son. Um, he developed uh, severe seizures. So he has something called osteopetrosis, where his bone, you, you and I develop bone every day and we uh, expel it through urine. Uh, his develops bone and it never goes away. And it only affects the long bones and the skull. So yours and my skull is right around a half inch thick. My son's is approaching an inch thick. Uh, and it basically causes intracranial pressure, and he ends up having a seizure uh, off of that. So we started looking at some different uh, therapies right when I started retiring, and I ended up in the hemp program once I retired. I was one of the first 20, an extension off of the first 20 hemp grower permits in 2018 and 19, and then one off of the, the next 100 that 
subsequently went to 186, I believe was a number. And then I was a number seven processor. So we started growing hemp and we got into it and my son is uh, non-auditory. So he doesn't talk. He doesn't have sign language. He does. He's basically just a human body there. He eats, he goes to the bathroom and that's pretty much it. So I've given that young man uh, CPR twice, breathe life back into his lifeless body off of a seizure. So we were kind of desperate in to find something. So when we found uh, hemp and CBD therapies, uh, I went all in and started growing and processing to make sure we had the quality. And we've actually stopped his seizure up to about 16 weeks now. Uh, so he hasn't had one in 16 weeks. We go right around 16 weeks at a time before he'll have a breakthrough. And how often was he having them before? Every day? He was having them every day. Uh, every week we'd have a really bad one to where he would get, because his sleep schedule, if we don't keep his sleep schedule just right, or the temperature change, or uh, pollen, like right now he's having them because of pollen, his sinuses. Um, but we're, we're able to manage it much better than if we do it with risperidone, which is a anti-seizure uh, medication. If you get too much of that, it sedates you almost like you're high all the time. Right. And we don't want him high all the time because he's 115 pounds and we can't have him. We need him to stand up. We need him to do certain things uh, when we work with him. So we were looking for an, uh, an, an actual alternative. So when I started reading about this bill right here, this is going to set me apart slightly different, uh, especially from Chris. Uh, Chris is all about, you know, the actual medication. Uh, if you have pains, go to, you know, some sort of a pain therapy, whatnot. I have actually seen the benefits of the cannabis plant, marijuana or hemp. I particularly would go with hemp because of my background and, uh, the legal side of it. Cause it's not legal at the federal level and I'm not going to jeopardize my VA or my military retirement over a plant ever. Um, but if you start looking at that, I'm, I'm very familiar with the process all the way from seed to shelf, these little bottles you see here, uh, and the flower and all this stuff. And uh, I will go down and work with the, the senators working with that right now. And we will figure a way to make that legal in some way, shape, or form to make sure it covers every South Carolinian without legal recourse for the federal level somehow. So right now you can't have a job that you carry a gun, uh, which is smart, but a cop won't be able to use it for PTSD. A military member won't be able to use it uh, because the VA has come out and said, or the military has come out and said, uh, Delta 9 is not a, a therapeutic, a proof therapeutic. So guys with PTSD from, you know, this 20 year war that we just went through, they're not gonna be able to use it. Uh, and then there's some uh, stuff through the gun laws that actually says that uh, any type of mental disorder that you may get uh, diagnosed with is shared to the nexus, and now you can't buy a firearm because it says if you use illegal drugs in the federal level, that's an illegal drug, and they won't let you buy a firearm. So it's the Second Amendment is in there as well. So there's some things we need to work through. Uh, it goes all the way down into the growing, how many permits, how many processors, how much, you know, salves, lotions, or um, what was the other one? Uh, vapes. So they're trying to tell you the direction you want to go. You know, they want you to go. And I, I agree with part of that. And here's the reason why. 
I've done some research on Colorado, California, Oregon, and Washington. And there was a little bit of a dip once legalized marijuana come on board, complete unregulated, uh, just recreational use. And we don't want a societal dip or societal standard, degradation of societal standards within the state of South Carolina. I don't. Um, I find burning hemp or marijuana extremely offensive. Uh, but if you want to smoke it sitting here in your office, that's your choice. You know, I'm all about individual choice. Uh, the government should not tell me I can't do that. So I had an interview last night with some folks uh, that is for the reform of uh, marijuana laws. Uh, I was on with them for about two hours and they brought up some bills. There's about three or four bills up there. And one of them, they're trying to decriminalize uh, a quantity. I think it was 28 grams of marijuana. And on the surface, we're like, okay, you know, that that keeps the, the drug runners out of, you know, keeps them in check and whatever. If you read that bill, they start talking about one gram of methamphetamine, LSD, and some other harder drugs. And you're just like, whoa, what's this about? But it's in the bill. But if you read the summary... That's a dangerous part about these. If you read those summaries, it's like, yeah, I can stand behind this. And you start reading the bill and you're like, whoa, what's this about? Um, so we need to figure that out with uh, S-150. It sounds like it's getting some traction. It went through the Senate. It's down into the House now. It's 124 representatives that has to uh, vote on it. It's iffy on the way it comes out. Um, if I was in place right now and was presented that bill, I would vote no on it, even though I believe 100% in the medical uh, benefits of the cannabis plant, marijuana or hemp. And I also believe we need to start looking at the cannabis uh, plant, particularly right now, I-95 corridor uh, that we just talked about. Industry's gone away a little bit here. You know, right down the road, we got an empty building sitting right outside of town that's, you know, thousands and thousands of square feet. You know, we can have a processor there or we can have, uh, instead of growing cotton here, we can get the same thing out of a hemp plant. Uh, instead of cutting all of our trees down, we can get certain things out of it. We can help our gas um, situation. There's ethanol in the bast inside the plant. Uh, there's several things that we can do with this, this plant. It's 25,000 products on one site that we can do or potentially up to 50,000 products. We can make concrete out of it. Uh, hempcrete uh, has insulation for buildings. I mean, there's all types of stuff that we're missing the boat on economically within the state of South Carolina because we have people saying it's a gateway drug, Delta 9. They don't even know what they're even talking about. You know, 99% of the time, I can have a hemp plant and a marijuana plant, and I can stand it here and say, which one's marijuana? But yet they're okay with us growing hemp because the federal level said it, but marijuana, it's the same plant. I can have an ACDC hemp and an ACDC marijuana, and until you get a gas chromatograph and look at the cannabinol profile, you'll never know that one is hemp and one's marijuana. It's the same plant. Uh, so they're uneducated is the biggest thing. We gotta figure out that education system. So I don't want Charleston to turn into Colorado, Denver, where people's downtown smoking weed right on you know king street that's not what we want but we need to figure out how through the right methods to get it to where individuals can choose i could drink beer 
I can smoke cigarettes. I can go to the doctor and get an opioid. The government is wanting to give out meth pipes. Crack pipes, yep. Uh, crack pipes. So <laughs> Thanks, Joe Biden. Come on now. I mean, <laughs> but I can't smoke, you know, weed. Um, so when it, you say that, you mean like America, um, American-grown marijuana? Because here, here's my fear as a parent with, like nowadays, it's like you can't, just get marijuana off the street, it's laced with fentanyl these days, and a kid can die. Like, right, I, yep. I tell my kids all the time, listen, you know, when my parents were growing up, like, it would have been okay to, yep. you know, dabble a little bit, but I never did. I was always scared it was going to be laced with something, and I don't want, I'm scared at one time your kid could be dead. So if they regulate it through the growing process, there is a way to where you can keep any type of additional chemicals on there. Okay, so here's one of the things that a lot of folks might not know. Yours and my parents back in Woodstock when it was the smoke weed and love fest, whatever the words were. Peace and love. Peace and love. There you go. <laughs> um, they were smoking marijuana that was probably about 10% Delta 9 THC. We have cultivars out there that could put us upwards in the top 20% Delta 9 THC, the medical grade. Um, we have bred those, the industry, I say we, the industry has bred those plants to where we can shoot that Delta nine, which is a psychoactive effect, uh, through the roof. So even if it's not laced with fentanyl or LSD or meth or whatever they want to put on this stuff now, speaking of meth, I don't get how... I don't understand how someone went off and said, let me get some rat poison and some, uh, you know, battery acid and some internals of a battery and some cough medicine and smoke it. That just doesn't make sense to me, but it, that just got me off cue there for just a <laughs> second. But, you know, we were talking about that the other day. I was like, wow, how, what's the thought process? I mean, what about them eating bath salts and stuff, sniffing bath salts? Like, what are you doing? Let me go open up my air conditioner and huff out R21. I mean, serious? I mean, what are we doing here? Or are uh, the children right now with the Tide Pods? Oh, my. If that doesn't tell you we need to go back where we were, <laughs> I don't know. wrong. <laughs> so, um, so getting back to it, the 10%, 12%. So we got to really pay attention. So if this does go legal, so one of the things is like sleep disorder. Okay. I am educated just enough to be dangerous in this field. Um, we have indica and sativa. One of them's for sleep. One of them's for like a pain. If you're coming in telling me you have chronic pain and, or sleep, uh, sleep insomnia, sleep insomnia is probably the best one. And you're getting a sativa you're doing something a little bit wrong because a sativa will not put you to sleep, you know, for the most part. Indica will. Uh, easiest way to remember is in the couch, indica. Um, and it'll put you, it's, it's more of a mind, you know, uh, instead of a body or a body versus a mind uh, high. But, you know, we got to really watch that. They have a couple different uh, elements on there. One of them is chronic pain. How do we categorize chronic pain? That's like, how happy are you right now? 
is one to 10. It's your one right. to 10 versus my one to 10 on judging how happy you are. So we got a little bit of a, a issue with how to quantify a qualification on there. And then the grow side is horrendous. Uh, we definitely got to work on that. Whoever come up with that portion is either driving it to make sure a group of individuals is taken care of when this comes out or being pushed opposite way, one or the other. There's, there's not necessarily right in the middle. Um, and I believe I can kind of help them with that. That's S-150. Uh, we'll see what's going on with that. Um, I believe that's a good portion of everything that we have on there. Education. Speaking of drugs and crime, tell me about uh, Dorchester. I am originally from Knightsville, South Carolina, which is Dorchester County, or part of Dorchester County. And since moving away, I moved away in 2010. It just seems like crime has shot up since I've left there. Now, when I was there also, there, there was a lot less people. But tell me what your game plan is to work on that. So um, I am a firm believer of there's laws and there is breaking the law with accountability. Uh, life is all about choices. You make a choice, you either reap benefits of that choice or you reap the consequences of that choice, period. Uh, so we have some legislation that was put in place uh, since we talked about drugs. Uh, it's called non nonviolent crime. They actually just reduce mandatory sentence the way if it gets all the way through the house from 85% to 65% of, of your mandatory crime uh, time served for your nonviolent crime. So if you're a drug dealer, you only get 65%. You get 10 years, six and a half years, you're up for parole or release. And that was based off of the jail system. So with Dorchester County, District 98 specifically, is probably one of the fastest growing areas in that, you know, district or that county uh, due to DD2 schools. Uh, that's where everybody wants to go. We have right now, there's two neighborhoods that's fixing to be built. One of them has 10,000 houses. One has 5,000 houses. This is on top of apartments going up everywhere. We're, there's building everywhere. If you haven't been back in a couple months, I've been back, I think last year was the last time I went down there to visit my sister-in-law, um, and I try and avoid it like the plague. Yep. It's like Berlin G. Myers used to take me two minutes. Now it's like 45 minutes yep. before you get to the end of it. It's Everywhere. Crazy. Everywhere is like that. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, a lot of growth. So the crime has spiked a little bit. Um, we were just talking just a few minutes ago. Uh, there was a shooting like four doors down from me in, in our neighborhood, and I don't live in a rough neighborhood. I, I live in a family oriented, older neighborhood and we don't have some of these problems, but we have a lot of, um, break in of cars and we've had some home intrusions in that area. We've had some, um, murders. We have, we had a meth house that was in my neighborhood, uh, that was running a prostitution ring out of there as well. Um, we had some homeless people move in to the back of our neighborhood by our pool, uh, which no fault of their own. That's where they thought they could be. Uh, they were trying to do what they could, but they caused uh, a little bit of some uh, mischief down in there as well. So with the growth brings 
valuable items, which attracts evil. So we need to figure that out. One of the biggest things, I talked to one of our sheriff deputies not too long back, and one of the things we have a spike on right now is uh, domestic violence. Uh, It is going through the roof uh, in Dorchester County for some reason, and him and I were having a discussion, and we believe it has something to do with COVID, you know, being placed in the home, or we have people now losing their jobs, or the financial burden. I mean, we have inflation. I would say it probably boils down to being more at home, people losing their jobs, people not having the means to go out and, you know, function normally and just kind of being tied down to each other. It's could definitely bring out (laughs) some emotions. Yeah. The best of everybody. Um, so we were talking about it and, uh, at the state level. So I'm in a tricky situation at the state level. I can't necessarily force things in Dorchester County. We can allocate funds to make sure, but one thing we are going to do in my district is we are going to back our police officers, period. Un- unwavered, we are going to black our, or, uh, to, to back our police officers 100% of the time. Um, we will not have a situation like, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, the, the cop that shot the guy. Uh, he just went on trial not too long back. Was it for Trayvon Martin? Nope. No. In Charleston. In Charleston. Mm. I'll think of his name uh, here in just a minute. Slater. Slater, I believe is his name, or Slager. Um, We we don't need another situation like that. Uh, We don't need to bring... uh, we need to make sure we have the proper equipment. We need to make sure we have the proper training. And one thing we need to come back with is some respect for authority. Uh, we're struggling in that area a little bit right now uh, from the youth or society in general, uh, respect for authority. As a cop, we, hit, we dealt with this as a military member as well. When we were overseas. Uh, there's so many things external when we start making a decision that um, it makes you start second guessing what's going on. And that could be life and death. And uh, it's, uh, it's Walter Scott, that's it. And it's Slager is the guy, the, the cop. But we don't need to get to that situation ever again. We don't want, South Carolina is better, better than this. We don't need to be on the national news. You just pulled it up right there, and there's how many incidents right there that uh, how many articles come up that showed up on Google in just a matter of a sliver of a second. We don't need South Carolina represented in that manner. So, well, I think take California for example, how they were like they won't even prosecute you if you steal less than a thousand dollars. So these companies like Home Depot and Walmart, they're watching all these people walk out of their store with stuff and there's nothing that they can really legally do about it. If someone comes in my store and wants to take something, we're going to have an issue. Like that's not how it's going to roll around here. I can tell you that. That's absolutely mind-blowing. And then they sent out an article. I don't know if you saw that article. Um, I want to say it was Fox News that actually posted it. And it said that the government wanted you to claim any stolen goods that you had taken over the year. So 
I guess Uncle Sam wants his cut yeah, of his what cut. you took that you didn't pay for. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. Uh, just the 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 ludicrousy is is going. I try to think about this through different lenses. You know, what is the thought process to get to that point where it's okay for you to come steal something from me? I don't get that. You know, if I bought it, it's mine. I should have the right to ownership to it and be protected. Our government is there to protect you. I think that that is what should be going on. But what is actually going on is the government already has the mindset and tells others that, hey, if you don't want to work, this guy who is working, we'll tax him to the nines and give you a cut. And yep. you just you do what you're doing. Do your you're thing. Doing, yeah, yeah, you keep doing you. Yep. And it's just mind-blowing, and I think that's why people think that it's okay to do these things. I mean, it's not any better when they're sending out crack pipes so, from yeah. the president. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. I, uh, how, how do we have a war on drugs, and we're paying so much money on war on drugs, and we're going to give clean crack pipes? Isn't that a drug paraphernalia? The war on drugs is all propaganda. It's a facade. I mean, think of big pharma. Like, they're making millions off these people who are addicted to opioids. Yes. And they're just giving them out like candy. And there's no incentive for the doctors to stop doing it because they get to see that patient every month. So they're they're making their dues on it. And what they don't realize is, like, the long-term effects is just, it's just as bad as cocaine and... So I went to the VA. The VA is real good about this. Um, They won't give you an opioid until you go through certain measures, like um, chiropractic. If I have pains, it's chiropractic, and it's acupuncture. Then it's, let's give you Motrin, and then let's give you whatever. And then you're like, all right, we might give you, you know, six uh, Percocets, but that's for a week. And you're like, there's seven days in a week, guy. So now I have to come back and... You know, the VAs, I believe, I don't want everybody to have opioids. You know, that's not the answer. Um, And some of the guys who are dealing with it, you know, opioids are a downer at some point. So it could cause some uh, PTSD or some depression issues as well. We got 21 to 22 military members a day that's often themselves um, just checking out. And that's unacceptable. Uh, So they went the polar opposite of, we're going to take all of this away from you, but yet we're going to give you a therapist, which I believe is warranted, but there's also other things. If I'm in constant pain, that's going to drive my self-worth down because now I can't do everything. Um, and it's just going to drive that depression. So VA's done that. I wish some of our medical doctors would kind of do that in the civilian world, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. I don't know how to get to that point. Uh, it's still a learning curve for me. Yeah, it's tough. I do think that therapy is good as far as like trying to get to the root cause of of why some people have what they're going on. But uh, with PTSD and being in, you know, Afghanistan and all of that, like I can only imagine and having injuries that are going to last for the rest of their lives. Like I do think there should be options for sure. But I mean, what what's the options? You know, do we give them opioids all the time? Do we? I wouldn't want to do acupuncture. I can tell you that. I've <laughs> personally. done it. I've Did done it like on my it? neck, and uh, so I got herniated disc in the neck, mm-hmm. uh, and they've done some acupuncture on my my shoulders, and it works. You know, I was skeptical. 
I'm just not a huge fan of needles. That's my big thing. I've had I've had so many shots. I've got three pages of shot records from the military. I've got 19 rounds of anthrax. Wow. You know, so flying over there, 19 rounds of anthrax shots and typhoid and yellow fever and all this other stuff. So acupuncture, it worked for me a little bit, uh, but they ended up doing uh, surgery on me later on. I had herniated discs of the neck and the lower back, and it actually pulled me off flight status, which is why I'm retired now. Uh, my right leg has some sciatic issues and, uh, they tried acupuncture on it and it, it worked, but I tell you what, they, they hit certain places like the nerve. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's, I need some opioids at that point to go, <laughs> right. I need to get back down here. But, uh, we, uh, shots. So since we talked about the COVID shot just a little bit ago, the vaccine, I actually went and got my first shot. I'm not fully vaccinated. Uh, and that's why 3126 is so important to me is I went and got my shot on September 9th at 11 o'clock in the morning, healthy. I went from my farm working with my horses, riding horses, training some young horses, uh, throwing hay bales, whatever, to getting a shot at the CVS at uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, and by 3 in the afternoon, my brother was putting me in my truck because my body was shutting down that fast. I got to the house, and I laid on the couch with 102.7 temperature for almost 20 days. For four days, I never got off the couch. And I say, I never got off the couch. Not to drink, not to eat, not to go to the bathroom, not to sneeze, not to nothing. My body was shut down down um and i finally went to the doctor because they're like give it about a week you know you call them my pa is pretty good but in this situation it was let it go you know it's only you know you may have got the covid you're supposed to be isolated for seven days or ten days or whatever the number was at the time so i just let it go i'm like i can't take motrin i can't take aspirin i can't take anything to get this down and I'm, i'm just burning up so finally, um, I got off the couch. My brother called me. Uh, two of my horses got out, and they were roaming our property, and he couldn't get them. So I had to get off the couch and go catch those jokers in my reduced state of uh, phys- you know, physical ability. And I went out there and got them, and we put them back and did our thing. Went back to the house. I laid on the couch again for another couple of days, and I was like, I got to get up. I have to get up and move. I have to go back to society. I have to go back to the farm. I have to do whatever. So my mom, they were staying away from me. They're like, you need to stay over there. And my mom's like, you need to go to the doctor. I was like, what are they going to do, mom? They're not going to give me anything. It's already been 20 something days. So I finally went into the doctor and, uh, they told me that when I got that shot, I was asymptomatic, a COVID infection so you had covid I had you just COVID. didn't have any symptoms had no right. symptoms walking around perfectly fine and when i got the shot it kicked in my response system so much that it almost killed me so i went and talked to my v my va doctor and they're like do not take that shot again don't ever take that shot again i was like okay put it in my records right here right so my mom my mom and dad my brother my wife both of my kids all of them had their two shots uh mine was a Moderna 
I think the only one that's different is my daughter. She got a, a Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, whatever the, the single shot is. She had that one, but everyone else had, because uh, that was the only one that was authorized below age 12 at the time. And she got that one. So I started asking my VA doctor, you know, what happened? And she goes, well, you may have had a reaction to it. But going back to my shots, I've got 19 rounds of anthrax. There's something in my body that's starting to do something. Is one of those inoculations having a fight with COVID in my body? Um, I don't know. Uh, but if you start looking, they won't tell us. You know, they've locked these things down for, what, 50 years, 75 years? Yeah, where everybody will be dead by the time yeah. it comes out. Yep. But if you go back to, you know, 3126, it says um, a positive COVID test because they want you to have antibodies. So I have antibodies, but I also have a shot. And they can't necessarily fire me now, or they can, but they have to give me unemployment because I won't take a shot. But yet we go over to something like the uh, Safe Harbor Bill or Act that makes everybody immune that tells you you need to take a shot. So now I'm taking my doctors that's actually professionally trained, medical professional, and given that authority to my employer now that could be a bricklayer, has no idea about medical. He goes, you need to get a shot because we can't be out and whatever because the CDC tells us today or they recommend it, and I go die off of it. They're not held liable. You know, so I got a little bit of a problem with that. So, and they mentioned that specifically in that bill that the Safe Harbor Act or Liability Immunity Act, I believe is what they put in there. It's um, funny that you say that. My husband and I were actually talking about that, which we, obviously we have our own business, so it's not like we're held to anybody. But what if someone did make it mandatory? Like say if we made it mandatory for our employees and then one of them got really sick and was going to have long-term medical issues because there is a lot of like heart issues associated with this vaccine, I would feel awful. Like, because in the IT world, like it really has nothing to do, you know, it's not like he's out there dealing with all these people. Most of his job can be done behind a computer. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like he's out there, like he can expose himself. So I would feel so bad. It's just, Especially, I mean, I'm not getting federal funding like the government. I mean, they just take my money. They're not giving <laughs> it to me. They don't give me mine back. <laughs> That's right. So it's like, I just, it's just insane how they even came up with the vaccine mandate. I do agree 100% though. It was psychological. They wanted to see how far they could push people to follow yep. in the lines. And that's how they want to push the American way is yep. to fall in line with what they say. So we had a conversation the other day uh, on another podcast that I was on, and the individual was talking is like, you know, Bill Gates, he wants uh, population reduction, and some of the other folks wants population reduction. So if you start looking at it, um, this it it's, keeps driving me back to psychological, because if you want population reduction and you have the most dangerous virus ever known to man swiping through the population. We're not talking about COVID because yes. it is not the most dangerous yeah, virus. That's what they said. Man. That's what they told us, right? <laughs> that's um, right. So if that was the case, why would I give a vaccine? Right. Why wouldn't I just say, nope, we don't have a vaccine, guys? Well, conspiracy theories are, one is that they want to decrease population mm -hmm. um, and that they say that, that, that 
that's actually why they wanted to keep daylight savings time because they've noticed that in the winter time when it's darker faster that a lot of people get into depression and they actually kill themselves again i'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything so i always find the mask funny you know that this is going to protect you but if you watch on tv the guy who's working with a covid virus is in a full biological suit but yet right. you're walking around with a t-shirt on right well thinner than a t-shirt i'm like come on now so yeah we um i think they also wanted to drive a lot of hate between americans uh, i can't tell you how many times i had customers come in here the way that they did it in our town um, was if you had a certain type of business and we didn't fall into that category. So we didn't actually have to wear masks, but I would have customers that would come in here and they would freak out on my employees and just yell and scream and you put on your mask. And we were at the airport one time and uh, we were way more than six feet away from this gentleman and we had our mask on. You have to have your mask on mm-hmm. in the airport still today. And, um, he just turned around out of nowhere and I guess he just felt like Joe's mask wasn't up far enough and he just was like, put your mask on and back away from me and just was yelling and screaming and like looked at the security guard and was like, make him do something. And I was just like, am I in the twilight zone right now? This is insane. So Sir, why are you in public if you can't handle it? Like stay yep. home. <laughs> so I'd always like to talk to him and go, if you have a vaccine, you have a vaccine Mm -hmm. and you have a mask on why does my silver liberty stop where your your fear starts that is exactly what my husband always said why does me not wearing a mask affect you when you're wearing a mask if the mask truly works you're protected then you're good to go but it's more of they said we needed to wear it and you need to follow what they say and it's like you can't buck the system in any way without them coming at you off of a i want people to wear a mask mandate (laughs) right not even a law so we got a little bit of a a struggle there but you know we're gonna try to work through that with some of these things when i get to the the state house uh we're gonna put up some barriers within the the hurdles legal hurdles basically uh, for anything within the side, the state of South Carolina borders. Uh, and we'll do it with a coalition that's up there. Um, I've spoken with some of the, the more conservative uh, representatives, and we will align ourselves in some way, shape, or form and make sure some of this gets traction. Uh, all the things we talked about today, you know, most of them are on board. Most of them are sitting uh, individuals right now in the seats or incumbents. Uh, we have some folks that are running for governor that I've spoken with that has some of the same thought processes or other candidates uh, in different districts. And if all of us get in, you know, new new blood gets in there, new lens to look at, uh, most of the people who's running right now are not politicians. You know, it's all the people that come off the bench just like myself. And uh, we're going to try to go up there and do something for every person that lives in the state of South Carolina and not just some uh, self-serving. So we're going to figure that out. I just think people are tired of the way things are going and they're willing to come off the bench to see change. And I think we are going to see a lot of people who aren't used to being in politics come from the woodwork. And I I hope that we 
are successful because I would like to see change go in the right direction and not keep work going where we're going. Are you guys, uh, so just a little bit of a plug, uh, on the 26th of March, there's the freedom rally that's up at the Capitol. Are you guys planning on going to that? I did see something about that. We haven't discussed it, but, uh, it's definitely something I'm interested in. Something you might want to look at because all the folks that's in South Carolina, that's, um, conservative or same ideology is going to be there or potentially be there. Um, your listeners can meet me in person. I'll be up there talking on the state house steps, I think. At and least that's said, what they tell me. He said that's March 26th. <laughs> March what time? 20, next Saturday, uh, or two Saturdays from now. Um, I believe we will have to look it up. Uh, I believe it starts in the noon time frame to like five, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, if he'll pull it up right here. I believe it's called the Freedom Rally in Columbia on 26 March. So you're going to actually speak? Uh, that's kind of what it sounds like. I was hearing about it when I was coming up here. Uh, they're like, hey, my, my team. So I'm doing, um, my entire team is volunteers. And every one of them I work with in the military. Every single one of them. That's awesome. Uh, and they're doing this 100% for free. Uh, and they are not politicians, so we're moving outside of the Dorchester County or even the political party to run this campaign. Even though I am registered as a Republican, because that's what I align with, uh, the folks that I'm working with, I trust with my life, because I have. We've been on airplanes together. Right. I think I can trust them on my schedule. You know, I'm not going to die because of my schedule, but these guys are finding all this stuff and sending it to me, and they called me on the way up here, and one of my guys, he just... One of my main guys um, just had surgery on Tuesday to fuse his neck. He woke up. They pulled his innovator out or his uh, breathing tube, and he woke up and come out of anesthesia. And the first thing he told his wife is, we got to get Greg's schedule right. And he went right out of surgery right into that. And he's at home with a neck brace on running my schedule, and I can't slow him down. Yes. yes. <laughs> I can't His, slow him down. Let me tell you, he emailed me and, um, I mean, I would have never thought he just came out of surgery. Yes. He <laughs> just got crazy. surgery on Tuesday and he's in a neck brace and they fused several, uh, vertebrae in his neck or at least two from what I understand. Um, but he's up, he's like, all right guys, I'm Greg, I'm ready to go. I'm like, no, stay <laughs> at home. Do you want more, so, uh, things fused together <laughs> yeah. in your neck? <laughs> I told him, I said, Jason, I was like, I, I am very thankful that you are working on my team, but if we're not successful in June through the primaries, I don't want him to have lifelong ailments right. from this. And that's what I was telling him, Jason, you got to take, you, you got to take a couple days, give it to your wife, give it to, you know, whoever we can pass this off and get through these next two weeks to get you back running. But he called me on the way up here, and he's like, sends me a little thing. He goes, by the way, you're talking at this. And it has all of these representatives and all of these people. And I don't know. They threw me up in front of somebody, you know, a group the other day that had probably 300, 400 people. One of the guys sitting there as a general with a Medal of Honor, you know, medal sitting center right in the front. And that's something that makes me a little nervous. So I'm like, these are all people you know, these <laughs> these are like business owners the and the yeah. people you know he's a medal of honor winner you know that particular one and 
he's put me in some situations, um, but I, I applaud Jason. Um, I am very thankful. He's the first one that stood up uh, and said, I will help you. I will walk this, you know, track with you or this journey, you know, no matter what it is. I think he believes in me more than I believe in me at, at times, which I think I need. Um, he's always encouraged me to go out and, you know, get in these different, uh, you know, groups and go talk and, he, he knows me. He worked for me for about four years. On paper, he worked for me uh, in the military, but in reality, he worked with me. Right. Um, really good guy. Uh, but he, he's put me in some of these. He's kept my biz, my schedule just slam-packed. In fact, I'm like, Jason, you got to give me a, a minute. I need to take a shower at some point, or I need to eat at some point, or see my family. Uh, but we've been nonstop. But he sends me this thing, and he goes, I think you're talking. Good luck. I'm like, <laughs> dude, serious? So, but he's he's doing really well. I'm I'm very fortunate for my team. We couldn't be in a, a better direction. Uh, the day I announced, uh, it was kind of a funny thing. We went to a DRCP meeting, a Dorchester Republican group, and they asked if anybody had any aspirations of being a candidate. And I stood up and said, I think I, I have some aspirations to maybe run for something. And I sat back down, and uh, I didn't really say what I was running for because we didn't know where we were going to fit in. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to go to the school board. I don't know if I'm going to go to the Department of Ag. I don't know if I'm going to go to council. I don't know I don't know where I'm going. And Jason was with me. And at the end, uh, they had everybody talking, and I was like, Jason, you think I ought to talk to somebody up here? And there was three women that I had talked to in the back, and they're like, you need to get up there and talk. Or you need to tell us what you're going to do. And I told him, I was like, no, 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 I don't want to do it. Then I told Jason, I was like, go tell him, go tell him. And I walked <laughs> up there and I just went up there just off the cuff and told him, I'm running for District 98. I'm going to challenge this guy. And apparently I'm doing better because I showed up. You know, he's not <laughs> even here. And everyone was like, what just happened? And we got to talking about me for about three minutes. And next thing you know, everyone's standing up applauding. You know, the only person that's talked that everyone stood up and applaud. And Jason picked that out. And he told me, he's like, you're freaking crazy. You know, when I got back and he goes, I guess I'm not backing out now. <laughs> you know, so I was like, no, you're not. Right. If you do, you're going to get a surgery on your knee because I'm going to break your knee. <laughs> um, you're not going anywhere. I mean, you're walking this. And then the next place we went, uh, same situation. And then the big group, uh, there was uh, uh, quite a few applauds and people coming up afterwards wanting to know a little bit more and uh Jason has done really good for me. Um, it's 10% me, 90% Jason. I'll tell you that flat out. And you've seen the emails. You've seen everything. Jason is Jason's the man behind all of this. He's uh, quick to respond and he's on, on his it. A game. He's, he's got all it. his stuff in order. That is for sure. This is even on his pain meds for his <laughs> neck. So just think about him when he's actually... 100%. Right. Or yeah. Jason will never be 100% ever again. Neither will I, uh, just because of the things we've, we've dealt with. But 90%. Right. You know, dealing with a little bit of pain and dealing with some stuff, uh, Jason is going to be, Jason's phenomenal. So I'm, I'm very fortunate to have him. Well, it sounds like so. you got a great team, and it sounds like you know what you want to fight for, and um, we wish you definitely the best in the June primary. We'll be keeping up following, following Absolutely. It, so... so just so the, the, your listeners know, votegregford.com. Uh, I don't know if you're going to put a link on this. 
I can, yes, sir. If you if you don't mind, mm-hmm. uh, and then there is a Facebook page, uh, Greg Ford. We're trying to get it updated to a public figure page. We're trying to go through all that verification, the Facebook hurdles. Uh, we're trying to get that. That's something that we're not politicians. We're not digital media people either. So we're figuring that out as well. Jason is. Let me rephrase that. Jason <laughs> is. I'm not. Um, but there is a Facebook page. We send out. Uh, a weekly uh, update from the web page that tells you kind of my stances on different things, bills that may be moving, different things along those lines. Uh, my stances on my point topics right here. Uh, and then we actually go on the Facebook page and we'll have open discussion about certain things, or I'll put something out there and have open discussion with the group. Um, I will not hide behind anything. I'm not a politician. I'm not I have nothing to prove at this point. I've already had my life. Um, I'll never have a better career than what I've already had, but I'll still, you know, continue to give 100% uh, at every turn that I can. But one of the main things um, on that web page, there's two things. You can learn about me, and the second thing is donations. Um 100% of this thing, it doesn't matter how good your team is, doesn't matter how good your message is, it doesn't matter how good you dress or how good you talk, it's all about funds. And just an example, uh, we're going to go down and put some signs out. Uh, those signs can push us you know, closer to $4,000 range just to put a sign out so people know we're even running. So if any of, any of the folks think that uh, they like kind of what they hear or they want to donate that's perfect if they don't that's perfectly fine as well uh but then there's also a comment section you can comment directly to me or jason will get it 90 percent of the time and i will answer uh when things are very pointed uh jason won't answer for me that's one thing i've asked him not to do uh is don't because if you put something in there that's not necessarily me and i get caught out somewhere uh and i'm not aware of that uh It'll make our situation, our it'll make an awkward situation go on, uh, and that's not what I'm about. So I want to make sure we have direct conversation with anybody that uh, may have any questions or comments. I mean, someone might read that and be like, oh, "I really love that education section." You know, why don't you put this in there? Have you thought about this? And that's how I'm learning. Right. So feedback uh, as feedback. well as questions. Yes, feedback or questions. Uh, I'm good with any of it, but. VoteGregFord.com. If you're in District 98, you may want to think about who your candidates are right now. Well, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I'm glad you came on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with us. Yes, ma'am. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us.